This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. The headline, our long national nightmare is over. About 20 minutes ago, the Giants offense finally did find the end zone. And then just a moment ago, they found the end zone again. Tyrod Taylor, a little screen pass to Saquon Barkley, who did what Saquon Barkley does. Eludes defenders, turns on the Jets, 32-yard touchdown. And the Giants have a 14-0 lead over the Washington Commanders in a game, really, that's a last-stand game for the Giants. I was on this station yesterday afternoon and said over and over and over again that the Giants' season is not over quite yet. I thought it was over a week ago before they played Buffalo, but watching the defensive effort that they put forth in Buffalo against the Bills and the fact that they... We're hosting the Commanders today, are hosting the Jets next week. Not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. If the Giants could get through this little stretch and get to 3-5 and and hopefully, hopefully get healthier. Hopefully get your offensive line back first and foremost. And let's be honest, because if you watched the Giants last week, and I spoke a lot about this yesterday, but it's, it's worth repeating. If you watched the Giants last week in Buffalo, Okay, and if you've watched the first half of this game or followed the first half of this game against Washington today, there's not that big of a drop-off between Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor. And that's Taylor's having a phenomenal game. He's already got two touchdown passes. Even last week, when the Giants couldn't find the end zone, Tyrod Taylor was able to at least move the offense up and down the field and keep that a competitive game. Now, the defense last week and today is what has been leading the way for the Giants these last two weeks. And that's how it has to be. You know, last year, the Giants defense, I think sometimes it tends to go a little bit overlooked because you got a healthy season out of Saquon Barkley, and he was as good as ever. All right? A little bit of attrition in the second half of the season, but overall last year, Barkley was a top-five running back in the NFL, which is what he's been his entire career when he has been healthy. And then, of course, the other big takeaway from last year was what Daniel Jones did. It was his coming out party. So much so that, as we all know, it led to an $80 million guaranteed contract that this year, so far, he has not lived up to. Not entirely his fault, but he's not completely blameless either. The offensive line is the biggest thing that you need to get fixed and healthy and back for this team to have any semblance of a season. Because, look... In the NFC and the AFC, for that matter, but for the Giants' purposes, we're talking about the NFC. Seven teams make the playoffs right now, and that opens up a lot more possibilities than used to exist when six teams made the playoffs. If you look at the NFC at this moment, you've got the three teams that started this week at 5-1, and San Francisco, Philly, and the Lions. The Lions are having it handed to them, if you heard the update at the top of the hour. They stepped up in weight class against Baltimore. The Ravens, with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback, have only lost one game ever to an NFC opponent. It was to the Giants last year at MetLife Stadium. So you have the three five and one teams, and then you have the Cowboys at four and two, and those are the top four teams in the conference. You have to give a spot to somebody from the NFC South. Right now, that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with their 3-2 and two record. So that's five teams that you could slot into the playoffs. Seattle's 3-2, and two, and there are three teams at 3-3. Three and three. 
the Rams, the Commanders, and the Falcons. All right. The Giants are taking it to the Commanders. It's 14 to nothing midway through the second quarter, and it shouldn't even be that close. The Giants' defense is absolutely dominating this game. For the Commanders, it's three and out after three and out after three and out. They finally changed things up a moment ago when Sam Howell, who's walking back out onto the field for another drive, threw an interception. Four punts, 42 total yards. They've picked up two first downs so far through a quarter and a half, and the Giants' defense has sacked the Commanders three times already. The Giants are dominating this game. It should be more. Giants' offense, until their last drive, hadn't really gotten going, and they also got a missed field goal from Graham Gano, which is a rarity. This game should be 17-0, 21-0, 24-0, somewhere in that area. But again, the Giants' offense is still not clicking, and it's nowhere near clicking. And it won't be for the next couple of weeks until, look, Andrew Thomas is still out. John Michael Schmitz is out. They are still depleted on the offensive line. Justin Pugh, and we saw the funny clip last week before the Buffalo game when he said he was from straight off the couch with the starting lineup introductions. He's now starting at left tackle. So two weeks ago, he's on the couch. Last week, he's in the starting lineup. This week, he's starting at the most important position on the offensive line. Guy was out of football two weeks ago. That's what you're dealing with here. So you're not worried about the offensive output because if the Giants are going to have a season and contend for a playoff spot, and again, I am still not ruling that out because of how they played last week and because of their upcoming schedule. Washington, the Jets, Las Vegas. Those are all three winnable games. They're also all losable games too. Even this one because the Giants offense has not done anything yet. But you're not worried about the Giants' offense looking good for the long term because if you're going to have a season and you're going to contend for a playoff spot, Tyrod Taylor's not going to be your quarterback. This isn't going to be your offensive line. So the only goal right now as you look at the Giants' offense is can they score enough to win you games right now? Because that's what this team needs right now more than anything. It's not about development on offense. It's you know, not about Tyrod Taylor putting up big numbers. It's about doing enough to support the defense in how they have been playing to win you games that on your schedule are winnable. The Giants are 1-5 right now. If you go through their schedule and their first six games of the season, it's interesting because they're in a class with Chicago, who's also 1-5, Arizona, who's also 1-5, and Carolina, who's 0-6. So, you know, Bill Parcells loved to say, and he was right. You are what your record says you are. But the Giants don't belong in the class of the Bears and the Cardinals and the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers can't score at all. The Bears, I know they have a win, but they might be the worst team in the NFL with the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. And the Giants, record-wise, are right there in that class. But take a closer look at the Giants' schedule. All right, who's the team that they played that when you looked at the schedule before the season, said that you said the Giants should beat that team. The Cowboys? No. The 49ers at San Francisco? No. The Seahawks at home on Monday night? Maybe. Okay, that's the only one. The Seahawks at Monday night was the most disappointing performance of the year for the Giants because the Seahawks are a good team, but they're not in the class of the Cowboys or the 49ers or the Dolphins or the Bills. And it's not just that they lost that game on Monday night. They were non-competitive. 24-3. to and that really kind of got the ball rolling on this offensive touchdownless streak 
that has taken on a life of its own until it finally mercifully came to an end a little while ago. But at Miami, is that a game the way the Dolphins have played, especially offensively, that you would look at and say the Giants should win that one? No. And then at Buffalo. Buffalo's a Super Bowl contender. Although their last three weeks, they have not looked that good. A loss in London. They barely held on to beat the Giants last week, and they're losing at New England right now. New England's been one of the worst teams in the NFL. But my point is this. Outside of maybe the Seattle game, the Giants haven't given away any quote-unquote wins that you would have marked down as Ws before the season began. You know, if they were 2-4 and four right now, you'd feel a lot more different about this team. But there's still a lot of weeks left in this season. The defense last weekend today looks fantastic. I mean, Washington is 3-3. Three and three. I know they don't look good. I know they don't have a top-flight quarterback. But... Right now, 3-3 three and three in the NFC would put you in position to be a playoff team. So Washington's done something right to put themselves in that spot, which tells me, watching this game, the Giants are not that far away. Now, what did they do by starting 1-5, by losing to the Seahawks? What they did was they blew any margin for error that they had. You know, now you can't lose a game to the Commanders. You can't lose a game to the Patriots. You can't lose a game to the Packers or to the Saints because you have to save your losses the rest of the season for the Cowboys in Dallas, for the Eagles in Philadelphia, and then see where you go from there. The schedule the rest of the way, not only is it not overly taxing, as things shake out this season and we start to see what teams actually are, all of these games are winnable. They're getting the ball back right now, uh, leading Washington 14 to nothing halfway through the second quarter. The Jets are beatable. If I had to pick, I'd pick the Jets to win that game right now because they're playing well. I do think they're a better team, and they have a much better defense, but they're beatable. We're not talking about the Giants hosting the Kansas City Chiefs next week. You go to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders, they're beatable. At Dallas, okay, I'll give you that one. There's an L for the Giants. At these commanders again, beatable. Home against New England, beatable. Home against the Packers, beatable. In New Orleans, beatable. And then you go to Philadelphia. There's another loss. Home against the Rams, beatable. And then week 18, home against the Eagles. And who knows what that game is going to mean for Philadelphia. You know, remember last year the Giants played Philadelphia. Interestingly, it didn't mean anything for the Giants because the Giants were already locked in as the number five seed or I believe it was actually the number six seed in the NFC. So they couldn't go up or down based on that Week 18 game in Philadelphia. It was important for the Eagles. They needed it to lock up the first round by the top seed in the NFC. And remember, it ended up being a lot more difficult than anyone thought it would. The Giants' defense was really good. They were playing with their most confidence at the time. Davis Webb played quarterback for the Giants, kept them in the game. I think even Kenny Galladay caught a touchdown pass in that game. Giants still lost because the Eagles needed it. But remember, that was the game they brought Jalen Hurts back from his injury because they didn't want him sitting out for four weeks before he had to play in the divisional round. So they figured they'd throw Hurts in there, uh, have him play a half, put the game out of reach, and then put him on ice. And he ended up having to play the entire game. But my point is this. The Eagles game in Week 18 for the Giants, that might be a situation where it's really not that important for the Eagles. So that could be a win for the Giants. But the larger point is the schedule is much, much more manageable from here on out. But no more margin for error, right? You can't lose this game. You know, if you lose against Dallas, you lose twice against Philly, 
All right, that's eight losses right there. So that means if you win everything else, everything else, you're nine and eight. That means you got to beat the Jets. You got to beat the Commanders twice. You got to win in in Vegas. You got to beat the Pats. You got to beat the Packers. You got to win in New Orleans. You got to beat the Rams. No margin for error. I don't think eight and nine gets in as a wild card team in the NFC. There's too many teams that are decent. Eight and nine might get in as the division winner in the NFC South, but the Giants don't play in the NFC South. So you figure at a minimum, you got to go 9-8 and eight the rest of the way. And you play Philadelphia twice, and you play Dallas. But good signs last weekend today on the defensive side of the ball. Now this offensive touchdown drought that came to an end. Before today, with 10 minutes to go in... The third game of the season, 10 minutes left in the third quarter, Matt Breida, who was playing in place of Saquon Barkley that night at San Francisco, ran in an eight-yard touchdown. As Tyrod Taylor goes deep and it's incomplete on third down and long. Um, That was, until today, the last time the Giants scored an offensive touchdown. So you had the rest of that game at San Francisco. Then you had the Monday night debacle against Seattle. And then you went out to Miami where you lost 31-16. to The only touchdown was scored on the pick six from inside your own end zone. And then last week in Buffalo where you had multiple chances from the one-yard line at the end of the first half, at the end of the second half, couldn't punch it in, gave yourself a chance to win, but still lost to the Bills 14-9. to And then you go through the entire first quarter of today's game without scoring an offensive touchdown either until Tyrod Taylor finally found Darren Waller from 15 yards out. So the total tally on time in between offensive touchdowns for the Giants, 220 minutes and 12 seconds. That is three full games. And then in the fourth game, there's less than five minutes left in the third quarter. Think about that. That's how long this team went without scoring an offensive touchdown. And even today, Tyrod Taylor's numbers, he's 11 for 17. He's got 190 yards already. He's thrown two touchdowns, but the Giants just punted back to Washington. It's 14 to nothing. If there are halftime adjustments to be made for Washington, they get the ball first in the second half. They have the ball right now. The Giants, like I said before, the score of this game should be like 24 to nothing. It's 14 to nothing. They're one solid commander's drive away from this being a one possession game so do not do not mark this down in the win column yet for the Giants all right it's week seven in the NFL Uh, we'll go through it together the number of course 1-800-919-3776 we'll go through the games going on right now Giants commanders are one of six in the early window we'll of course preview the late games we'll look ahead to next week for the Jets and we'll also keep a close eye on the Jets because they're right in the midst at three and three of that AFC playoff picture so are they getting any help from teams that are playing Teams that the Jets are battling for one of those final wild card spots in the AFC. It's Pat O'Keefe with you on this Week 7 Sunday on 98.7 ESPN New York. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. This is what I mean when I say the game should be uh, a bigger lead for the Giants. The Commanders have run 23 plays and they've gained a total of 47 yards. That's slightly more than two yards gained per play. The Giants' defense has been dominant. Dexter Lawrence has been in the backfield 
on top of Sam Howell the entire first half. The Giants have outgained the Commanders 252 to 47. That's, oh my God, that's a 5 to 1 ratio. All right. So 14 to nothing sounds great, but like I said, it probably should be about 24 to nothing. Taylor's 12 for 18, 196 yards, two touchdowns, one to Barkley, one to Darren Waller, who already has five catches for 77 yards. Barkley, 10 rushes for 40 yards in addition to his 32 yard touchdown reception. All right. We take a look at the early window. Uh, some, well, one definite surprise and a couple of eye-opening scores right now. The surprise is at Foxborough, where the Patriots, who haven't won at home yet this season and seem to be getting worse by the week, they've got a 13-3 to halftime lead over the Bills. Now, the Bills are an interesting team, right? They start the season, the Aaron Rodgers night at MetLife Stadium, where Josh Allen throws the three interceptions. They turn the ball over four times, and the Jets win on the walk-off punt return. But then the Bills... They beat the Raiders handily. They beat the Commanders 37-3. to They beat the Dolphins 48-20. to And then they go to London where they lose to the Jaguars 25-20. to Okay, not the worst thing in the world. That London game is always so tricky. It's always so wonky. It's, you know, it's one of those things I never bet on the London game. You know, I never bet on the London game. I never bet on the Thursday night football game. Uh, I never bet when there is a quarterback by the name of Tyson Badgent who went to a Division II college starting a game either. That's also the case today. So you figure, all right, it's a one-off. They went to London. The Jaguars had already been there for a week. They beat the Bills 25-20. to That's why I looked at last week's game on Sunday night, Bills back home against this Giants team with a backup quarterback and a depleted offensive line. And last Saturday, we weren't sure if Saquon Barkley was going to play for the Giants. He ended up playing, which helped, obviously. But... That's why I looked at last week's Giants-Bills game and felt that the Giants had absolutely no chance to compete in that game. And I was wrong. I admitted it yesterday up and down. I was wrong. The Giants should have won that game. We know that. We know the Giants had chances to win that game. They played, especially on defense, well enough to win that game. So it wasn't an overwhelming performance for the Bills. So you looked at today, divisional rival. They've beaten the Pats four times in a row. Yes, it's in New England, but... All of these teams now in the AFC East, specifically the Bills and the Dolphins, the Jets aren't there yet, unfortunately. You know, they thought this would be the year. They're not there yet. But the Bills and the Dolphins, teams that are upper echelon teams now, they, every time they have an opportunity to play Bill Belichick and the Patriots, are taking out decades worth of frustrations at having their teeth kicked in by the Pats. So usually the pay, uh, the Bills or the Dolphins, but in this case the Bills, don't miss an opportunity to beat up on the Patriots. That's why that score is surprising. At halftime, 13-3. to And that's why, you know, I'm looking at Buffalo. And before they went to London and they were 3-1, and you thought, okay, let's write off the first game of the season. It was an emotional night. Rodgers got hurt. They probably got caught up in the emotion. It was a weird game. Allen... Tried to do too much, didn't value the football, and they lose on a walk-off punt return, which hardly ever happens. And then they straighten themselves out. But now what we've seen from them over these last two and a half games really gives you some things to be concerned about. I mean, Josh Allen, is he – what's his deal, right? He's 9 for 16 today with 99 yards, and he's got an interception. You know, Josh Allen, this time last year, I may have even said it. 
boy, I'm just going back and pointing out everything that I've been wrong about, either last week or last year. But I'm pretty sure I said this on the air right around this time last year. Maybe it was a little earlier in the season. Maybe it was around like week four or week five. But I definitely made the statement right here saying that at this point, okay, week four or week five in the 2022 season, I would take Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes because Allen was on the verge. I thought he had a better team. Remember, this was still when it was fresh that the Kansas City Chiefs had lost Tyreek Hill. So we didn't know what Patrick Mahomes was going to be like without his biggest wide receiver weapon. Turned out he did okay. And Josh Allen was, you know, he could do he could do things. You know, he was bigger, he could run, he had the big arm, he had the big stats. You know, you just felt like it was time for him to take that mantle. And boy, was look, he's still a top 10 quarterback. I'm not saying that he's not. But the last couple of weeks doesn't seem completely right. And the whole reason why Buffalo is a quote-unquote Super Bowl contending team is because Josh Allen is their quarterback. I mean, you go through all the teams at the beginning of the season that you would call Super Bowl contenders. They all, except for maybe a rare exception, have a top-flight quarterback. Teams like the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Eagles and um, the Buffalo Bills. Now, a, a rare exception for that is the San Francisco 49ers because they're just so talented everywhere else on the field. So some concerns there for the Bills as they trail the Pats 13-3 to at halftime. The Falcons and the Buccaneers are tied at 10 at halftime. A lot of people probably don't even care about the NFC South. I think it might be the most eh division in the NFL. Usually that's reserved for the AFC South, but I'll tell you, the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud are pretty exciting, and the Colts before Anthony Richardson got hurt were exciting, and the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence are pretty exciting. The, the NFC South for me has taken the baton from the AFC South as the meh division in the NFL. But somebody's got to win that division. And that's why games like today's are important. Falcons and Buccaneers in Tampa are tied at 10 at halftime. Baker Mayfield's got a touchdown pass and 171 yards. Desmond Ritter, who was terrible against the Washington Commanders last week with three interceptions, he's 11 for 14 for 132 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions in the first half. So they're tied at 10 in Tampa, the Falcons and the Buccaneers. One of the most highly anticipated games of the day. And I got to be honest with you. All right. I just spent a good amount of time pointing out all the times I was wrong. I'm going to give myself one here and point out a time I was right. This doesn't completely surprise me. The Lions at the Ravens. You know, the Lions are still probably going to win the NFC North. They have the most talent. They have a 5-1 and one record. They've got a multiple game lead on the rest of the division. The Bears are in that division, so you can eliminate them right away. Um, I still think there's talent on the Vikings at two and four, but not without Justin Jefferson. They're a completely different team. And the Packers, I, I think the hope was that Jordan Love would be more than he is. And I think the hope was that the Packers without Aaron Rodgers would be more than they are. So certainly one game on the road in the AFC against the top team in the AFC is not going to send this Lions season off the rails. But boy, they're still in the second quarter, and Baltimore leads this one 28 to nothing. And like I said, I am not completely surprised by that. I think the Ravens are sneaky good. And I think the Lions, this is definitely a case of stepping up in weight class. You know, the Lions, starting with that opening night win, when, you know, let's be honest, Kadarius Toney was absolutely pitiful in that game, as were uh, some of the other Chiefs receivers, including Sky Moore. You know, if Kansas City makes... 
one or two fewer drops in that game, the Chiefs win that one. Then the Chiefs right now would still be undefeated, and the Lions would probably be 4-2 and two on their way to 4-3. and three. But they're not. They won the game. They proved in many ways that they were for real with that opening night performance, and they've used that to get off to a 5-1 and one start. And I think, and I read this yesterday, ESPN had this stat for the Lions. The last time they started a season 6-1 and one was 1956. Well, they're down 28 nothing with five seconds to go in the second quarter. For the Ravens, Lamar Jackson's already thrown for 255 yards and two touchdowns, and they lead the Lions 28 to nothing. Lamar has also run for a touchdown, seven rushes for 27 yards. You know, there are certain weeks that you watch Lamar Jackson play and you think that there is not a better football player in the world. Now, whether it's a certain matchup or he's feeling good on a certain day, he doesn't, and I'm not, I'm not pinning this on, on him, okay, the statement I'm about to make, but Lamar Jackson doesn't play at this level with enough consistency to say that he's the best quarterback in the NFL. If he did, it wouldn't be a question because a couple of times a year, he's got a game like this where he's 17 for 21, 255 yards, Two touchdowns, no picks, eight carries, 26 yards, a touchdown on the ground, and that's all in the first half. All right, there are games where you watch Lamar Jackson and you think there is not a better football player on the planet. Now, the problem for the Ravens, since he has gotten there, well, in recent years, the problem has been he's gotten injured late in the season, and that's the concern with a guy like Lamar because of how much he runs, and he's not a big, sturdy guy. He's not... You know, I'll compare him to Daniel Jones just in terms of body frame. You know, Jones is 6'5". He's a big dude, also a running quarterback. He, I'm not saying he's as fast as Lamar. He's not. But his body is built to absorb the contact more than that of a Lamar Jackson. That's why the last couple of years you've seen Lamar break down late in the season. Now, last year, I think some of it was the contract stalemate, which ended up getting resolved in the offseason. I think that also had something to do with Lamar not rushing back from injury, even when the Ravens were in the playoffs. But you haven't seen Lamar pop in the postseason yet. You know, you haven't. This is a big stage today. This is, I mean, who whoever would have thought this, but Ravens-Lions in week seven, that's the marquee matchup this week. Five and one at four and two. And Lamar on this stage has shown out. And there are days like this where he looks like he is the best quarterback in the NFL and the best football player on the planet. And then there's other days where he doesn't look like that. And I guess, look, that's for for the Ravens. Will this type of performance ever come in the postseason? It's in there. We know that it is. And he is able to do things when he's playing like he's playing today. He's able to do things that no other quarterback in the NFL can do. Maybe, maybe a Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is obviously a better thrower of the football Um, he's not as good a runner, but is certainly an accomplished runner in his own right. But maybe Mahomes can do some of the things that Lamar does. But Lamar is just so fast, and he's just electric is the word. He's just so electric. And that's on display today as the Ravens lead the Lions 28 to nothing. All right, the Giants and the Commanders have gone to halftime. It's 14 to nothing. It should be 28 to nothing. It's not. And it's going to be a very big first drive coming out of the locker room for the Giants because they have absolutely dominated this game. Let me update the team stats for this game because they are heavily skewed in 
the Giants' direction. Um, total yards, total passing yards, total rushing yards, total yards. It's 256 for the Giants and 46 for Washington. How about passing yards? Giants have 183 yards passing. The Commanders have 15, 183 to 15. All right, so maybe you're saying the Commanders are doing it on the ground. 73 to 31 advantage for the Giants. So when you hear those numbers and then you hear that the score is 14 nothing and that Washington, with the potential to make some halftime adjustments here, has the ball coming out of the locker room, you're going to watch. You're going to pay attention. You're going to make sure that the Giants have this game in hand because they do not yet. And this is a game that they absolutely need. It is a last-stand game for their season. If they lose today, even if they come out next week and blow out the Jets and get to 2-6, and six, no. 2-6, and six, you're done. 1-6 and six today, you're done. For the Giants to have a semblance of a chance here in 2023, they need to be 3-5 and five heading into their Week 9 game against the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, we'll take some of your calls as we continue. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take a look at the other goings-on in Week Number 7. Look ahead to the 4 o'clock games. Um, here from the Jets, it's their bye week, but obviously an important story as well. It's all on the table here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is... Is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Buffalo coming off back-to-back shaky performances, a loss in London to Jacksonville, and then last week when they held on for dear life, literally held on, held on to Darren Waller's shoulder pads to beat the Giants 14-9 in Orchard Park. So the Bills looking to get on track. So far, it's been New England's afternoon, 13-3. to Buffalo has a first and goal just inside the 10-yard line. A couple of other games that we're keeping an eye on. The Bears have a 14-3 to lead over the Raiders. A couple of backup quarterbacks playing in that one. And the Browns' defense just had a, uh, a defensive touchdown to give them a 24-21 to lead. I believe it was off a fumble recovery. The Browns are in Indianapolis taking on the Colts. Browns are 3-2. and two, Colts are 3-3. Three and three. That's a game of significant interest to the Jets and Jets fans. Let's open up the phone lines. 1-800-919-3776 on this Sunday afternoon. Go to Manny and Flushing. Manny, how you doing today? I'm good. You? Everything's good, Manny. Thanks. Good. Uh, listen, look, um, good good game for the Giants. Hopefully they'll keep it that way. Uh, listen, I know the people yesterday, they have callers that, hey, they should give up the season. They should take a season. I'm a, I'm a type of person that doesn't believe in tanking um, because there's no guarantee that anything could happen. And I'm a type of person to say, hey, let's play it out. Let's see how it goes. Because we've seen in, in, re, in NFL history that a team could make the playoffs despite a one and five. Like I give you an example that 2015 Kansas City Chiefs before they had um, Patrick Mahomes, I think they still had um, um, Alex Smith and Andy, we were still coaching with them. So you, you never know. And it's more likely to happen now, Manny, because you have the extra game you have the 17th game. So you have more time to recover from a one and five start. And you also have the extra playoff spot in each conference. So instead of being limited to three wild card sp- uh, uh, spots, you get four. Yes. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's, it's so, I mean, and you really think about it. I mean, this Giants has been through a lot all year because of the injuries 
you know, people are questioning if Saquon Barkley could come back. Is he going to be traded? Is Dale Jones, is, 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 did they make the right decision of signing that contract? I mean, listen, this is a new regime, so they have never, like, been there before. So it's their, I think it's their, quote, unquote, baby steps, like, like what's going on with the Knicks with Leon Rose and the crew. So we'll see how it goes. Manny, thanks for the call. James Cook into the end zone off a touchdown pass from Josh Allen. Extra point pending. So right now it's 14 to 9. The Bills trailing uh, New England. Excuse me, 13 to 9. The Bills trailing New England. Yeah, Manny brought up a, a good point there as far as look, this is year number two for Joe Shane and Brian Dayball. And it is. Year one could not have gone better. And I've said this a lot that it was Brian Dayball leading the charge back to relevancy for the Giants, just his competence and confidence that he brought into that head coaching position that had been lacking for more than a half decade since they pushed Tom Coughlin out the door. And Joe Shane didn't have, you know, he did some things behind the scenes that were effective. Like, for example, in the middle of the season when it looked like Kenny Galladay was officially the bust that we all assume he was, and Wandell Robinson went down and Sterling Shepard went down and all of a sudden the Giants had no receivers in that wide receivers room finding Isaiah Hodgins plucking him off of the practice squad of the Buffalo Bills and bringing him in and by the playoffs he was your number one receiver yeah that's a terrific in-season move by the Giants GM and he made it from a position of strength Shane came from Buffalo he signed Hodgins when he was there but that's what you have to do in this league and he did and it worked out tremendously for the Giants last year. But last year was Brian Dayball's show. All right? This year, I have said, was about Joe Shane and putting this roster together to be competitive year after year. Now, it doesn't have to be a finished product this season or after this season. By next season, you want this regime to be kind of like, you know, clicking on all cylinders. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you go to the Super Bowl every year? No. But that means you're... Um, a perennial playoff team. I'll give you an example of a franchise that clicks on all cylinders. The Baltimore Ravens. We just spoke about them. They've won one Super Bowl in the last, well, I guess at this point now, is probably about 11 years ago. Um, they're in the playoff picture every year. They're in the playoffs themselves most years. They win division titles. They host playoff games. They don't get to the Super Bowl every year. They don't get to the AFC Championship game every year. Look, a lot of... Uh, luck goes into getting to that level, especially in a league in which Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey are in Kansas City and all roads go through them in the AFC. Just ask Joe Burrow how difficult that is because Burrow was the one guy who seemed to have their number and they weren't able to get over the hump last year and get back to the Super Bowl. But the Ravens are a team that is clicking on all cylinders in their franchise. They've got the franchise quarterback, they are never a bad team. You know, they win some years 12 games, some 11, some 10, some 9. They're always in that area. That's the next step for the Giants. And the Jets, too, by the way. You would love to get to that point if you're the Giants or the Jets. And last year, in one fell swoop, it looked like the Giants were well on their way. And the problem that I had and that many had this year, it was more than just the 1-4 and four start before last week's game. It was the non-competitiveness of this team. It was losing on national TV at home 40 to nothing on opening night. It was being shut out by a Cardinals team in week two in the first half. A Cardinals team that is thought by many to be tanking for Caleb Williams or somebody else at the top of the NFL draft. It was not scoring an offensive touchdown at home on Monday night and being embarrassed by a Seahawks team that 
you know, they're fine. They're probably a playoff team, but they're a six or a seven seed in the NFC. They shouldn't be coming into MetLife Stadium on a Monday night and beating you 24 to three in Miami. Yeah, the score in the second quarter of that game after the Giants pick six was technically a one-possession game, but at no point did you ever feel like the Giants had a chance to win that game. And that was the problem that I had with this Giants team. They were non-competitive. Last week changed a lot of that for me. And this week in the first half is continuing along that same path. And I would like to sit here and say, you need more from the offense, but you don't need more from the offense. If Washington doesn't score today, it is fine to win this game 14 to nothing or 17 to three. We'll see what Washington does coming out of the locker room. But Washington in that first half had eight drives. They punted six times after a three and out. They punted a seventh time after a four and out. And then they threw an interception. It was as bad an offensive first half as you could have. And by the way, a lot of that's because of the Giants, because of Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau and Micah McFadden and Wink Martindale's scheme today. The Giants' defense is dominating this game. But the Giants, and I'm with our last caller, Manny. Is it time to, to break this thing down? It's not. Not at 1-5 coming off of almost beating a Super Bowl contender on the road with winnable games coming up. This is winnable game number one. They're halfway through. They're up 14 to nothing, and we'll see where we go from here. More of your calls, 1-800-919-3776. In a couple minutes, we'll hear from the Jets and look ahead to their matchup next week as they're sitting with their feet up this weekend watching this Giants-Commanders game as they'll be at MetLife Stadium next Sunday as the road team. It's Pat O'Keefe with you till 5 o'clock on 98.7 ESPN New York.